Anyway, we've got uh, Paul Dabar, former Undersecretary for Science in the uh, Energy Department during the Trump administration. Uh, welcome back, uh, Paul Dabar. I'm reading your article, How the U.S. Turned the Tables on OPEC in the Wall Street Journal. Now, uh, I confess I did not know that OPEC tried to convince my pal Dan Briette, who at the time was Energy Secretary, that they wanted us to, well, not exactly join OPEC, but coordinate with OPEC. I didn't know that. And you're writing in the journal that they wanted us to. So what's up with that? What happened here? Yeah, Larry. So if you may remember, in the lead up to the COVID crisis, the Russians and the Saudis were beginning to renegotiate their old OPEC plus deal. And they were about to get into a big market share fight. And the U.S., as you may remember, was very much involved with uh, really trying to, you know, keep the two of them from 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 going after each other. And then and then COVID hit, and so there was quite a bit of energy diplomacy. And, and preceding that was the Three C's initiative, where you and the president and Secretary Perry and Briette, you know, was trying to help Poland and. The Baltics and Ukraine did start getting off Russian natural gas long before the you know this war, and so there was a lot of uh, you know there was a lot of energy diplomacy and American energy uh, dominance right as the leading producer of crude oil in the world, and uh, as as a result of all that uh, leading into COVID, uh, we were very much engaged in the diplomacy. Uh, President Trump actually announced the OPEC Plus deal from the White House. Um, around the COVID situation and, and behind the scenes and even publicly, various oil ministers were saying that they appreciated American leadership and wanted to continue to coordinate with us. And behind the scenes, that's where the offer uh, came in. Hmm. Um, I'd have to call Briette about this because this is a very interesting sort of, it's one of these little sub stories. Um, in a sense though, Paul, we, we were coordinating with them. And it seems to me the Biden administration with its hostility to fossil fuels and its hostility, I mean, they've changed our Middle East foreign policy now favoring Iran instead of Israel and did, you know, insulting the Saudis that wouldn't even take Biden's calls. I mean, that's a, regardless of how much, you know, that that's a big loss, it seems to me. The Saudis... I mean, they may wind up making their own deal with Israel, which is a good thing. The Iranian diplomacy for a new nuclear agreement is probably the dumbest thing, the worst thing I've ever heard. But um, what's the impact of this on the world price of oil? Because I want to get you, I, I want you to tell me about the world price of oil. It's stabilized, Paul. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like 120, it's, it's been running in a range, right? 100, 105, the low end of the range, 120. It's not gone to 150 or 175. So is is that going to stay where it is? And, and what's OPEC's role in that? Yeah, so as, uh, as we've talked about before, Larry, uh, back uh, not that long ago, two years ago, the U.S. set the price of oil in the world because we became the swing producer of, right. uh, of additional crude. And as a result, uh, we were setting the price of oil uh, for the world because we were the swing producer. That was based on the price of production of crude 
for for uh, for shale, primarily in the Permian and the Bakken basins in the U.S., where prices to produce oil had dropped to around thirty to forty dollars a barrel, and as a result, we were setting the price of oil, which was about at the time fifty dollars a barrel, based on American leadership, American production, American exports. So ju- jumping forward, U.S. production dropped uh, during COVID and because of uh, ESG and some government policies, it hasn't recovered. Uh, and uh, and that's when the price of oil started moving up. When you know gas is, went from two twenty five and and uh, at the election uh, at the turnover in, in January mm-hmm. twenty twenty one to to five dollars. That's a seventy percent annualized inflation rate. And uh, and it's in, it, it's in part because the U.S. has not recovered uh, for for those drivers that I just said, and as a result, uh, and then and then just in the last couple of months, Russia taking more oil off the market, so to speak, because of their invasion, we've shifted tremendous power back to the swing producers, which are which are now OPEC. Right. So um, we're still a little over a million barrels a day short of where we were pre-pandemic. And so, therefore, I'm going to argue that has contributed mightily to the increase in the world oil price, regardless of the Ukraine. And, Paul, let me add one more thing here. The Energy Department, what is it, uh, the, uh, you know, the think tank, the um, energy, what do they call it? The uh, uh, the Energy Information uh, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. Agency, which is the data, the data right. part of uh, okay. DOE. Yep. So, look, at they are... Uh, putting, you know, putting out, I try to read their reports occasionally. Um, we are undersupplied in gasoline, right? The demand for gasoline has gone up quite a bit, but the stocks, the inventory of gasoline has come down. So we are short, we're undersupplied gasoline and we're undersupplied oil. Now, I understand Russia and I understand Putin, but aren't those factors contributing, uh, let's say, to $5 of gasoline, for example? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, domestic production not recovering is a primary driver of inflation in the U.S. It's a global right. market, right? But the U.S. and we proved it as I, as I laid out in my article. At the bottom of uh, production in the U.S., uh, uh, in uh, um, we were we were down uh, at uh, four point nine million barrels a day in two thousand seven, and because of technology, capital, and policies, we went from 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 that low of 4.9 million barrels a day in the U.S. to 12.9 in 2019, that is a monumental jump hmm. uh, in production in the U.S. So we have the capability to not only close that million you know uh, barrel a day gap, we could do far more uh, than that to fill what's going on both you know historically because of uh, because of U.S. production, but we we could fill the gap from Russia too. So that's the, that puts, you know, Biden blames Putin for oil and gas prices and inflation. But that's not true. If, I mean, if we weren't undersupplied here at home, right, these prices would be much lower everywhere. They, they might not have gone back to the lows. You might not be back to $60 a barrel globally. OK, I get that. You wouldn't be back to two and a quarter gasoline, but we wouldn't be where we are now. In other words, I'm just trying to fence off Putin. It is our production shortage here that's killing us. 
Yeah, the U.S. should be part of the solution, both for ourselves and and for the world. Uh, To say that the U.S. doesn't have an impact on global oil prices or gasoline prices is is not inaccurate. Uh, Sorry, it is is inaccurate, as I kind of laid out in my article about how much we were able to fill the gap for us in the world, uh, you know, over the last decade. Uh, and and as, as you may remember, uh, Larry, when we were when we were around D.C., not only were we a million barrels a day up from where we are today, uh, the EIA actually predicted that we were going to be a, a, another two million barrels uh, on top of that that we were heading towards in terms of the U.S. industry. We were going so to 15. Is- we were going to 15 million barrels a day. Yep, can that's you, right. That's when, can, when we were down there. Right. Can you imagine what that would be like now? I mean, really, and, and it's going right to the gas at the pump. We're undersupplied, and the Bidens will not deal with that, Paul. They just will not. In other words, I can't stop Putin in the Ukraine. I get that, okay, and I get the embargoes and, and the threat, but we could be doing so much more at home. Last uh, 45 seconds. Yeah, Larry, I mean, the three million barrel a day gap between where we are today and where we could be, right, right. based on historical projections. Right. That three million barrels a day would almost completely cover what the Russians have taken right. off the global market. Right. There you go. Paul Debar, former chief uh, scientist at the Energy Department under President Trump. Thank you very much, Paul. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.